I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, February 8th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So, Jay, we did mention that we were going to start doing an Olympic medal count on yesterday's show. And so I want to follow through on that. And so Canada, as of today, and it's all tough with the time zones, but as of today in Canada, we are number ninth on the gold total. We're doing pretty well overall. So we've got six medals in total, one gold, and that one gold actually came from Max Perot on slope style. And what's really incredible about Max Perot's story is that he's a cancer survivor. He just got over cancer like a year ago, and now he's a gold medalist. How incredible. It's pretty incredible. Sweden, though, not to take away from what Max is no, doing, but Sweden has three medals and they're all gold. And so I think it's important that I tell my Swedish heritage. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is this? a Homer. This is a Homer podcast. <laughs> oh, we sorry, don't mention sorry. any other countries. They could they're like they're irrelevant to me. The, these Nordic countries do really well because they dominate a few events that have a lot of medals. So I think it's like the Nordic skiing. There's like 20 events. There's like the cross-country skiing and the biathlon and all of these. And so, I, you know, what always frustrates me is why can't we be good at those? That's my question. Uh, because we're really good at hockey and some skating events. So, like, I think we're doing okay. We will do well in this Winter Olympics. We are great at snowboarding, great at skiing, moguls, all the rest. They're kind of cooler sports than the other ones. Don't tell my Swedish friends that. And I'm, I'm sitting here at a WeWork complaining about why we can't win more gold medals. So maybe I'm not the one who should be commenting on the performance of our elite athletes. Fair enough. Brett, aside from Olympic medal counts, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, ready to rumble. For our second story, straight to TV. And for our third story, going postal. For our first story, buckle up. We have an update on Spotify's Joe Rogan controversy and... There's a couple Canadian connections there. Brett, what's the latest on the Rogan controversy? This is a tough look, Jamie. <laughs> so as of recording, over 100 episodes of the Joe Rogan experience have been removed from Spotify after a video of Rogan using racial slurs in past episodes went viral and drew widespread criticism uh, 70 times too many to be exact. That was a lot of times he used a word that you should not use. Now, for those who need a refresher, Spotify reportedly paid $100 million in 2020 for the rights to Rogan's podcast, which draws in over 11 million listeners per episode, making it the most listened to podcast on the Spotify network. But people aren't too pleased with the deal. Since then, musician Neil Young was the first to lead a boycott of the streaming service saying they have Rogan or Young, not both. Young was concerned with the alleged misinformation specifically about COVID that was being discussed on Rogan's show, and Canadian Joni Mitchell quickly followed by pulling her music from Spotify as well. Now, in an employee letter, Spotify CEO Daniel Ack said the episodes were removed at Rogan's request, and Rogan's show would remain on Spotify because silencing and canceling voices, quote-unquote, is, quote-unquote, not the answer. Now here's another Canadian connection. Toronto-based Rumble, a new video platform that self-described as, quote, immune to cancel culture, end quote, published an open letter to Rogan yesterday offering $100 million U.S. to move his podcast from Spotify to their platform. Rogan's one of these wild Canadian companies that you never hear about, but they're massive and doing very controversial things. So if you don't know about Rumble, just take a look into them. The letter from the Rumble CEO outlines a four-year agreement to host Rogan's total library of shows for the same amount paid by Spotify, $100 million, and they promise no censorship. So Jay, why does Rumble's latest offer matter in the whole Rogan versus Spotify fight? 
but it's not so much Rumble's offer, but rather how deep in this Spotify has become. Once a pretty quiet business, Spotify is the latest tech company to be shoved into the spotlight over questions around censorship and freedom of speech and let's just say controversial hosts. But also, unlike Neil Young, Spotify paid Rogan big money to move his pod exclusively over to Spotify. So this really is part of the future of what Spotify is. Is it podcasts where they are the host or is it about music streaming services for all of us? By the way, Jay, I think you could do a great job at doing a PG Joe Rogan experience, the Jay Rosenthal experience. They wouldn't even have to change the initials, the JRE. <laughs> and I promise not to say those words once, yeah. twice, or 70 times, no matter how long I'm on. <laughs> yeah. The Matrix Resurrection studio Warner Brothers could use some of Neo's bullet dodging skills about now as it faces a lawsuit over the decision to release the movie simultaneously on streaming platforms and in theaters. Now, Jay, what's happening with the latest Matrix release? Well, Village Roadshow Entertainment Group, the co-producer of the latest Matrix flick, alleges in its lawsuit that Warner Media, Warner Brothers' parent company, breached contract when it decided to put the movie on its streaming platform, HBO Max, on the same day it hit theaters in the U.S. See, Village Roadshow, which makes money from box office sales, claims Warner Brothers decided on the simultaneous release to boost HBO Max subscriber numbers, despite knowing full well that it would decimate the film's box office revenue. That last part is a quote. And here's why it matters. Warner Brothers released all of its 2021 movies on HBO Max at the same time they hit theaters as part of a plan dubbed Project Popcorn. That's a, that's a fun name. The strategy <laughs> aimed to give HBO Max a lift while theaters were closed due to COVID-19, and it had some success. The platform grew from 57 million subscribers in late 2020 to almost 70 million in late 2021. Project Popcorn accomplished. Well, now <laughs> Project Popcorn is now project litigators, but the growth of streaming has hurt other players like Village Roadshow in the entertainment space who depend on box office sales to make their money. You will remember that Scarlett Johansson sued Disney over a similar dispute that Johansson alleged cost her, quote, very large box office bonuses. So, Brett, what's the big picture behind this Matrix fight? Well, the movie industry, like every other entertainment industry, is shifting online, and it's going to be interesting to see how all the different moving parts of this industry, like the production studios and the streaming services and the talent themselves, play along to find an outcome that is going to be beneficial to all of them. For our last story, in December, weeks after being named the minister in charge of Canada Post, Minister Philomena Tassi polled Canadians for their opinions on certain changes to postal services, potentially gauging ways to cut down on costs. The results of that poll are now out, and Brett, we're going to share them. What did the government find out about Canada Post's relationship with Canadians? I like the anticipation. It's like I know, got it's some really killing me. It's about the Postal Service. Uh, <laughs> so, top line, respondents were supportive of some changes, but resistant to others. So most respondents supported shutting down rural post offices. And 45%, which is, you know, a tough L for those in rural Canada, 45% of respondents opposed replacing postal workers with machines. And so pretty split on the human versus machine debate. <laughs> Meanwhile, respondents were much more open to other suggestions. 42% were in support of bumping up stamp prices, 52% for scaling back mail delivery to three times a week, really? And 48% of shifting from home delivery to community mailboxes. It's interesting. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I agree with most people on these things. Uh, from the looks of the poll, it's clear that Tassie's office is eager to reduce losses and potentially cut down on costs at Canada Post, which lost $264 million in revenue last quarter following consistent losses the company has posted. 
So, Jay, the question is, why should Canadians care about the future of Canada Post? Well, because we all use it, Brett. While mail might not be the primary way we receive communications, it's still a pretty big part of our lives. Whether it's a postcard from a loved one abroad to an Amazon package, we're still reliant on Canada Post, which is why we're keeping a close eye on what Minister Tassi does with the Crown Court. Pete Pels, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, one, to follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, I'm going to send 10 postcards this week asking people to listen to this podcast. I'm going old school. Yeah, I, I hope I get one. <laughs> you're, you're high on the list. Just make sure Canada Post delivers to your condo. 